Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you go to your regular job every day during the week, the perspective you take on your regular work will affect how you perform on the job site or in the office or whatever your calling might be. <clears throat> for example, if you are only working for the weekend, as the old song goes, Monday morning is going to be a real drag, and Friday afternoon will be the best time of all. And who knows how much real work then gets done in between those two times. Or if you're working only for money. <clears throat> now, what matters is not the effort you put into your work. What matters to you is only that you get a paycheck at the end of the pay period. If, however, <clears throat> you are working for the Lord, you will work for God's glory and to the best of your ability. Now, this truth holds not just for our regular day jobs. The perspective we have on our work in God's church will also profoundly how, affect how we carry it out. Today, we have, by the grace of God, the ordination of office bearers three elders, and one deacon. And our Lord Jesus Christ himself calls you to this task, laboring in his church. And the Lord Jesus wants you, as we can see from our text, he wants you to take the right perspective on your work as you labor in God's church. Our text this morning is from Paul's second letter to Timothy. He gives instruction uh, for those who, who do labor in God's church in a special way. This will help guide you in your task. But we must understand that this passage doesn't only have something to say to these men here today. It has something to say to us all. Men and women, young and old. And it can guide all of our efforts as we all seek to, to build up the church of Christ and also shape how we view these men also as they labor among the congregation. And so as I preach you God's word this morning from 2 Timothy 2, I'll do so under the following theme and points. The Lord calls those who labor in his church to take the right perspective on their work. And we'll see that this includes, first of all, being strengthened by God's grace Second of all, gaining insights from, from other callings. And third, and finally, relying on God to give understanding. So, in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. And Timothy, for many years, served almost like an apprentice under Paul's uh, direction. But as is the case in other areas of life, eventually it's time for the apprentice to become a journeyman. And such was the case for Timothy. You see, Paul was nearing the end of his life. And Timothy would have to carry on the church building work without him very soon. Daunting, to say the least. And this might have made Timothy very nervous. Humanly speaking, it would be hard to fault Timothy if, if he was nervous. What a responsibility he had to carry on this, 
this work of building the church after the apostles had all, had all died. And perhaps you feel that way too. God has called you men to this task to serve as elder and deacon in Christ's church. And that is a big responsibility. Perhaps it makes you nervous. But God also has not left you without instruction. Consider all these, these words to Timothy. Our text gives some valuable instructions also as you begin your work. And also as we all labor in Christ's church. Listen only to the first words of our text. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy will need strength for his task. And that strength does not lie in himself. He must be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the grace of Jesus Christ is, first of all, a motivator and an energizer for you to do your work. Think of the Apostle Paul. He once blasphemed the name of Christ. He persecuted the church. But then Christ confronted him with his saving grace. He could have sent Paul to hell in a heartbeat, and rightfully so, but in his mercy, in his grace, he saved him. And how that changed the Apostle Paul. Now he fervently built up the church of God by, by the grace of Christ. And we are all recipients of that same grace, all of us, whether these men here or all of us uh, sitting at home, we are recipients of that same grace in Christ. See, by nature, we too are children of wrath. We all deserve the punishment of hell. But Christ stepped into our place, taking, taking that punishment in our place, and God has sent us that wonderful gospel of grace so that we would, not be, we would not perish, but that we would be saved. It's the same grace, the same grace shown to Paul, the same grace showed to Timothy. Listen to how that gospel is described also in this letter, this second letter to Timothy. Take only chapter 1. The Holy Spirit declares to us, God has saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, even before the world began, God has sent, set his love upon us. And Paul goes on, this grace is that our Savior Jesus Christ has abolished death. It's brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You are recipients of that grace. And you must keep your eyes on that always. And may that motivate you to serve others as you have been served graciously by Christ. You see, you will be serving people who are in need of grace. For we are all in need of grace. People with sins. 
struggles, temptations, weaknesses. Or perhaps you have a tendency to get easily frustrated with people as they display these things in their lives. So it's key that you first understand the amazing grace you have received from God as you serve others. And this will strengthen and motivate you to serve others. It will give you patience as you serve others in their struggles. This will help you to take on the qualities described at the end of 2 Timothy 2, our reading there. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Kind to everyone. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. See, that's somebody who's been shaped by the grace of God. Able to minister. People in their struggles and their weaknesses. With kindness. With gentleness. Because we have received the grace of God. And being strengthened by the grace of Christ will also keep you from discouragement in your work. Maybe you know that your work is not perfect. Maybe you have made mistakes as office bearers or in your own personal life or, or will make mistakes. And maybe you will face situations in which you just, you just don't know what to do. And that can make you want to give up, stop doing the work, just throw in the towel. It's not perfect. How can I do this work? Remember the grace of Jesus Christ. He knows you are not perfect. His perfection is more than enough to cover your imperfection. That doesn't mean we don't strive for perfection in this calling. We do. But we do it in light of the perfection of Christ, which covers all of our weaknesses. You will make mistakes. You will not do your work perfectly. Christ is still gracious. Remember that grace will keep you from discouragement as you face your own weaknesses. If you have a perfectionist attitude, you will soon lose your strength. And this goes for all of us. We all need to be strengthened by God's grace, not only for building up the church of Christ, but in our regular everyday lives. Past failures and sins can haunt us, even those committed years and years ago, even decades ago. And sometimes they haunt us so badly it just sucks all the energy and life from us. Perhaps we're so weakened by guilt we can hardly bring ourselves to work in God's service. So we need to be strengthened by God's grace in Christ Yes, we do mourn for our sins, but we remember the cross of Christ, which has wiped away all of our sin and all of our guilt. In Christ's perfection, it covers all of your imperfection as well. May that motivate you to serve in God's kingdom, serve the one who has been so gracious to you. And for you, who will be recipients of these men with their work, recipients of their work. Remember this also. 
Paul needed to be strengthened by the grace of Christ. He was not perfect. Timothy needed to be strengthened by God's grace in Christ. Timothy wasn't perfect. And so it is with these men here, too. They are not perfect. They have weaknesses. They are objects of grace. It doesn't mean they should not be held accountable to God's word, but it does mean you need to show them great patience. You also need to show grace to others. Brings us to our last point, or second point, sorry. In verses 3 to 6 of our text, the Holy Spirit moves his instruction in another direction. He now compares Timothy's work to three different callings, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And this would especially help Timothy to take the right perspective on his work. Maybe there was still much he had to learn when it came to building uh, God's church. And he might have even thought, you know, I feel kind of lost. How, how do I do this work? There's no, inst- you know, there's no how-to manual. Comparing his work to other callings could guide him. And this can help you also. Perhaps serving as an office bearer is new to you. Perhaps you've been involved in it many years. Whatever the case may be, these illustrations can be helpful. It's always nice to have something concrete to, to guide you. And I'll say that I will be addressing these men specifically a lot of the time here, but what I say about them also applies to us all. We are all called to labor in God's church, so these things can guide us as we seek to build up Christ's church. The first comparison is uh, Timothy, his work is compared to that of a soldier. Uh, The Holy Spirit writes through Paul, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Let's start with The very last few words there. Uh, The one who enlisted him. So a soldier must be enlisted in order to be uh, part of the the military. And sometimes a soldier in an army voluntarily uh, joins the army to be, he signs up. This is his own desire and so he does it. But at other times, a country practices conscription. The government calls certain civilians to join the army, whether they like it or not. And now they have to serve. Perhaps you might even feel that way too, strangely enough. Perhaps you kind of feel like you've been conscripted into this service, even when you weren't expecting it. Maybe that excites you, and you're all for it. But maybe it doesn't. Maybe that puts a certain burden upon you that you weren't expecting. But the fact is, here you are. Christ, your commanding officer, has called you to this task, as he did Timothy. And I would say that all the young men in the congregation should prepare themselves for this. You know, our country does not practice conscription for its army. Sometimes I wonder if it would be healthy for our country, but of course that's another matter. But Christ just might call you to his service as he did Timothy. And also as he did these men here today. 
And you should prepare yourself for that. In fact, Paul tells Timothy to be on the lookout for faithful men who can teach others. And that's also something for you to keep in mind also. Of course, not every young man will serve in this way in the future, and that's okay. But you would still do well to prepare yourself for this task. Especially by reading and studying God's word. Christ might call you one day to his service in this fashion. The Spirit exhorts Timothy through Paul, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Being a soldier is not an easy task. There's hard work, sometimes sleepless nights, following difficult orders, spending time away from loved ones, possibly engaging in dangerous combat. There are two responses to those things. A soldier can shrink back and try to avoid the suffering of the military wherever he can. Or he can embrace his calling, even though it might mean hardship. Paul says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Do this willingly. And notice that one soldier does not suffer in service all on his own. Timothy is called to share in this suffering. He's not alone in his work. He stands on the shoulders of those who have gone before him. The Apostle Paul, of course, our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's not meant to do it all by himself with the men around him. An army works best when the soldiers look out for each other. They help each other so that together they are successful. That's how it is to be with you as well. There may be a certain amount of suffering that comes with your calling. Remember, it's part of how you share in the sufferings of Christ. You're not meant to shoulder these burdens alone. Your fellow office bearers upon whom you can lean, lean on and call for help. We work together as a team. And the comparison to a soldier goes on in verse 4. No soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs since he wants to please his commanding officer. Well, this is simply a call for Timothy to be devoted to his task. Think of a soldier when... A general commands a soldier to engage in combat. Well, the soldier can't respond by saying, Well, sorry, general, maybe later. See, I've got this hobby I, I really want you to do right now. I'll fight some other time. It doesn't work that way in the army. Now, of course, that doesn't mean you don't have anything else in life that you pay attention to, right? The, the Apostle Paul's not telling Timothy to. Forget about everything else in life when it comes to his calling. No. You have your regular daily vocations, which are important. You have your families, which you must not neglect. But the Spirit is still calling Timothy. It's calling you to be devoted to your task. And that will at times mean putting aside things you would like to do in the, in the moment that you can focus on your work. So that's a soldier. The next image found in verse 5 is that of an athlete. An athlete is not crowned, Paul says, unless he competes according to the rules. 
The Olympic Games were a popular cultural event in ancient Rome. Those who won events, such as athletics, were, they were not given a, a medal. They were received a type of crown, the, the laurel wreath. And this came with, with great honor and glory. And because of that, it would be tempting to cheat in order to gain this victor's crown. However, if anyone is caught cheating, as it is still today, he forfeit, forfeits his victory. There's plenty of modern-day examples of that. Think of the infamous Canadian sprinter Ben Johnson. Think of people like Lance Armstrong, stripped of his seven Tour de France wins because of using banned substances. What's the application to your calling and, and also to our lives? Well, God, he's calling all of us to order our lives according to God's word. We don't just live however we want. We live according to a standard, God's word. An athlete doesn't compete just how he wants. He competes according to the rules. And think of Timothy. He would surely would come across situations where following God's word would be difficult. It would be the harder path. It would be so easy to just cut corners, do what seems easiest, ignore God's word. We can't do that. We must follow God's word. This is our guide. This is the standard. 1 Peter 5 says that when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive, indeed, the unfading crown of glory. But we need to follow God's word. We serve according to this. And this is where our authority lies. That goes for all of us as well. God's word has authority on our lives. This is our standard. This is how we compete, so to speak, in the Christian life. The final comparison is to that of a farmer. The Holy Spirit adds in verse 6, it's a hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Now, I'm no expert in farming, but I do know that farming takes hard work. If you aren't willing to work hard as a farmer, farming isn't going to go well for you. When you're growing crops, you also don't see results right away. First you sow the seeds, wait for the seeds to sprout. Throughout the season, the crops need care and attention. It takes patience, hard work to bring the crops from sowing to harvesting. Added to this, there always seems to be something that can easily damage and take away your hard work. Bad storm can damage the plants. Pests can attack the crops. Machinery breaks down at the worst time. Maybe an early frost threatens to destroy the crop before it's off the field. And all of these things can be incredibly frustrating. Farmer facing these things might just want to give up. Maybe he feels it's not worth the effort. But for the farmer who perseveres, there is a reward. There's a crop to enjoy at the end of the day. Finally sit down and enjoy the fruits of your labor. As our text says, it's a hardworking farmer who ought to be the first to share in the crops. Right? When the farmer brings in the first part of his crops into his barns, it's not right for anyone else to come right into his barn and say, Hey, I'm sure glad this farmer put in, put in all this work. I'm hungry. I think I'll just help myself. 
No, the farmer gets to enjoy the first part of the crops. The implication is that there is a a reward for your work. Yes, it takes time and effort and patience. Yes, there might be times of frustration. The Word of God is compared to seed. You need to sow the Word of God. Often it takes time for that seed to germinate and grow. People's faith needs to be nourished and built up. There's always things that seem to threaten your hard work and ruin it. But as you persevere, there's a reward. And for all of us who persevere in building God's church, in building up the faith of others, there is a reward. We might not even see it in this lifetime. But it will surely come in the life that is to come. See, the kingdom of God is an everlasting kingdom. Working for the building up of God's kingdom is never in vain. Your labor is not in vain. Whatever you might see with your eyes in this life. You will get to share in the fruits of your labor in the life to come, even if it's difficult now. So these three different activities, serving as a soldier, competing as an athlete, working as a farmer, give you a framework for your work. Notice all three involve difficulty and effort. Notice the example that Paul does not use. Paul doesn't say, think about this, Timothy. The person who spends the longest time at the beach gets the best tan. No, he uses a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. All take discipline and work. They all take effort and energy. That's not to say you need to work 24-7 in your calling as well. Think of these three callings. A soldier is not on duty at every moment. He gets times of leave. An athlete doesn't train every moment. His body needs time to recover. A farmer needs to make hay when the sun shines, but he's not making hay in the winter. So also remember that. Guard yourself in your work, too. There's a balance to be maintained, but it does take effort, and it's worth the effort. All of these examples involve a reward. Keep that in mind as you build God's church. That brings us to our last point. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, ends by saying, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. This is part of the responsibility on Timothy's shoulders. Yes, Paul will not be there for much longer. But it's time for Timothy to grow into maturity. Not everything is spelled out in Scripture as a how-to manual, as in, if you're in this exact situation, do this. So Timothy needs to think upon Scripture. He needs to meditate on it. Conform his thinking to what God's Word says every day. Feed himself. That's what you must do. That's what we must all do Shape our minds constantly by God's word. Think upon what God says here in this book. That's going to affect our our lives, our hearts. It will give us wisdom. It will give us discernment. Think upon these things, says Paul to Timothy. 
This, of course, refers, first of all, to the three images he just described, a soldier, athlete, and farmer. But it includes everything in God's Word. Remember the words of Colossians 3, Let the Word of God dwell in you richly. It's the kind of thing described in Romans 12. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Of course, it doesn't only go for you, it goes for us all. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. It will shape your lives, it will shape your heart, it will shape you, give you wisdom. It won't be easy at times. But even if Paul wouldn't be there to guide Timothy, the Lord would be with him. Think about what he says. The Lord will give you understanding in this. We rely on him. We pray to him. Christ still cares for his church. As Hebrews says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If the Lord helped Timothy, he will help you also. The Lord gives us All of us help as we seek to guide and build up God's church. The Lord will give you insight into all of this. It also means devoting yourself to prayer. That goes for us all. Pray in faith. Remembering the words of Christ in Matthew 28. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And you, beloved, pray for these men in their task. They need your prayers. They need strength and wisdom from above. And this is for your own benefit. As please the Lord to bless his people through the work of elders and deacons. Be open to their instruction from God's word. For it is through that word that God's church is built up and blessed. Amen.